0: Today is April 6th, 2018. This is episode 75 of Maelstrom Radio. Let's try that again. I didn't have that shit ready. Today is April 6th, 2018. This is episode 75 of Maelstrom Radio. Aelstrom Radio, with your host, Gladys and Schindler. And welcome everybody to Maelstrom Radio, my name is Flatus, with me, this host is on the west coast, and his camera is
1: slightly fucking ajar, God damn it! It's, uh, Shin, hi Shin. Hi. It's, uh. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of off to the side. I fixed you, you're better now. Let's try to fix this even more. You look good, you look good now, <laughs> you're there. It's all it's all it's all fucking coming up. We'll just we'll just keep that. There we go, we're all good. Uh so uh it's dude, it's been a week. I'm off on Monday, so that's enough. <laughs> Plus uh you know, It's always good. It means I could stay up late on Sunday. And take part in shenanigans. What happens on Sunday nights exactly? Sleep. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Well, I, goofed. <laughs> I goofed. I goofed hard, then. Oh, well. Uh, well, see, I guess. <laughs> right, <everybody?
0: laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure we can just, like, pop in and start talking about, like, the important shit, because we got, like, a hell of a lot of shit to talk about tonight. So, uh, news. Letter from the producer Live 43 will be April 14th at 2.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's going to be 5.30 Eastern my time on a Saturday, and I'll be up watching that producer live. Probably streaming it. I won't. You won't be. I will be. Unless there's, well, I'm guessing it's going to be 4.3 news, so yeah, I'll fucking be awake. The
1: I'll question, catch it in the morning. The
0: question is, do we do a show the night before, or if they fuck it, we'll do the show live at <laughs> 5? It's, 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 i'm gonna say no because i'm not gonna be up at 2 30
2: in the morning the night before i have a flight
0: oh shit i'll oh, try right, you have a flight then yes i'm flying out on the 15th
1: oh, fuck. that's right you sure are <laughs> guest hosts guest hosts will be needed Guess hosts.
0: Uh, let's see, the audio will be in Japanese only, as always, uh, you normally, you know, if you're in the know, you watch the Mr. Happy stream, uh, and, uh, he gets the information from, of course, the translators on Reddit, which is where I normally get my news. Reddit's usually useful for some things, not all things.
2: Of course, we usually have a live thread, uh, or mm-hmm. sorry, rather a live channel in Discord that gets uh, updated during yes. the live letter.
0: Uh, and usually, as as it goes, is that the information is fairly on point, but there is always going backtracking and fixing and altering the uh, translations. So, what you first initially hear is not always what you get. So,
1: uh, and my phone's way over there, and it made a noise. God. Right. You know, fucking April Fool's Day, I guess, for talking about phones.
0: <laughs> Shin, what happened on April Fool's Day?
2: We got a lot of fun news on April Fool's Day. Uh, there was uh, the, the main one for 14, or the only one I should say for 14 was Final Fantasy 14 Go, a brand new mobile app for gathering in real life. Uh, you can take your app, you can go into the real world, and you can furiously tap on your screen to gather your nodes. Uh, with this app, you could even get your own special mining tool edition, which you could use to uh, increase your gathering rate to, I believe it was a guaranteed gathering. Uh, also note that uh, Square Unix is not responsible for any damage to your phone if you attempt to do this. Uh, but really, they had a, a nice little YouTube video for it, which was kind of neat. Uh, it, not quite as... Uh, Yep. Divisive, yeah, I, I guess, as uh, last year's April Fool's joke with uh, Alexander Tactics or Tactics Alexander, uh, which I still kind of really, really want.
1: The 8-bit music was great. The 8-bit music was great. 8-bit music is always great from here. Uh, the 8-bit music was great this year too. We just get 8-bit.
0: I want an 8-bit music soundtrack.
2: Just give me like I the, would love a chip tunes version of everything. Like if they called papaya chip tunes this time.
0: If listen, if they would have told me like if they would have made an album called Kicking It Old School, and it was just like eight bit renditions of Final Fantasy fourteen music. I'd buy it in an heartbeat. Maybe the new sections of
2: Eureka could just have like chip tunes the whole time.
0: Like chip tune orchestral
1: roles? rolls. I don't know. Like the actual music in Eureka is just chip tunes. And we get a Chiptune crest funerals. <laughs> Where am yes. going with this? I mean, okay. we have Primal cast generals already,
0: so... Yeah, let's get some Chiptune ones. Uh, speaking of kicking it... <laughs> PAX East is going on right now. Final Fantasy XIV uh, is at PAX, PAX East, not was, but is at PAX East again this year. Uh, giving away foam swords, challenging people to defeat Bayaku at their battle challenge, and hosting a story and writing panel featuring main scenario writer... Natsuko Ishikawa and English localization lead John Crow. Was I right about the name? Am I on it?
1: No. I, I think so. All right. I, I was answering questions in chat. Sorry. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it's Natsuko Ishikawa. So. Co, but yes. Ko? Wait, Natsuko. But I fuck yeah. it. I probably nailed it the first time.
0: Anyway. Still with that. Yeah, it's gonna... I don't know. I I, I want to see where they're... I, if they do a Q&A, it'd be interesting what people ask if it's specifically about story. I I want to know if anybody's going to raise their hand and be like, 4.1? Um, I thought that Nanomo and Rabon were in love, and clearly Nanomo let
1: Rabon go, and that is... <laughs> I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that clip. But, uh... As far as I know, Emmy is not attending PAX East, so it's, it's we not, should be okay. Not not happening. So, uh, so Shin, our show's a bit different tonight. And it's definitely the seventy-fifth episode. It is. It is that. It's, it's, it's a new milestone. It is. We're getting old.
0: Twenty-five episodes until one hundred. <laughs> it's Not kidding. But you know what that means, though.
1: And now for something completely different.
0: It's time for something completely different. So, this episode. Michael Bay had some help there. Is it Michael Bay? That's not Michael Bay. That's Sean Cleese. Nah, it's time with the explosion. Oh, that's Michael Bay. Uh, So, in in true Maelstrom fashion, keeping it fresh, um, we decided to take a step back and because uh, there wasn't a whole lot of Final Fantasy 14 news, we could discuss Eureka still if we really wanted to, but there's not much going on there. We could discuss the little interview that he that Yoshi-P did about Eureka, but it's kind of stuff, rather, Shin and I already talked about and, and knew that was probably coming, so if you listen to one of our old shows, Shin and I are geniuses.
1: Hey, Gladys. Hi. Is Pazuzu
0: up? Pazuzu's always up. Did, was I supposed to get something for Pazuzu? No, just that seems to be what everyone is regurgitating over and over. Oh, it's Pazuzu up. I should, I should, you know what I should have got from fucking, uh, Futurama is, uh, the professor screaming up,
1: Pazuzu!
0: <laughs> that, I, that I, didn't. That's actually worthwhile for the soundboard, yeah. You know what I didn't get, though? I didn't get a fuck you, it's April. God damn it. That's, unf- wow. that's so unfortunate.
1: All right, it's not officially April yet, so it's not April. Yeah, it's not April. That's that's It's really, you know, I got I got this though. Get in touch with your wizard. Get in touch with your wizard.
2: I'm getting in touch with something else tonight.
0: Yeah, you are gonna get in touch with our other MMOs. Uh, so we're talking other MMOs and their coming features and the and the future of the MMO landscape because. If you are a person who doesn't play MMOs a whole lot, and Final Fantasy XIV is your first MMO, this is what we call competition. Competition in the MMO space has always been going on. Uh, WoW has always been the... the uh, Since it knocked EverQuest off the throne, I would say, it's always been kind of like the figurehead, the, the king of the castle. Uh, but a lot of these uh, MMOs now are not trying to copy WoW anymore. Like, they're trying to actually carve out their own space and say hey listen we may be niche or we we may be doing this and it's it is truly different so if that's the case shouldn't i uh compiled a a small list now this list and by no means is all of what's coming out in the future of the mmo space we just took the specific ones that we felt that were doing some really interesting and new new things um and we're going to talk about that. So we're going to start with Pantheon: Rise of the Fallen. Uh, this is Brad McQuaid, the uh, one of the original creators of EQ One and Vanguard, uh, and it's currently in pre-alpha testing and in Shin. This is essentially a call back to to challenging MMO content, something that we see currently in Eureka. <laughs> Uh, i do want to put that caveat again
2: that every time we talk about eureka and bring it back this like classic uh sort of mmos uh eureka really doesn't do the same sort of thing as these old games like if you try to go back right now and play eq1 uh or other games from that era i'm kind of blanking on the other ones around there because i know vanguard's not up anymore neither is uh, star wars galaxies which the the major ones that I knew of from a little bit older. I, I they, those games really don't kind of compare to what we have in Eureka. And I'm hoping that they don't really compare to what we're getting here with things like Pantheon or some of the other games that we're talking here.
0: Uh I mean it's classically spirited as you as you wrote, and it is a spirit technically it is a spiritual successor to EQ1 and Vanguard. I think the primary focus of this uh primary it's primarily PVE but the focus cha- on and the, the challenging part is the social part it's uh it is a very they're driving this to be a very social MMO this is going to be one of those games where it's like you, you need a, some contents two player some contents three to five player and and that's the driving force that, that you can't just go out on your own you will die. Uh, and and death is a. I don't know if they said death has consequence in this in Pantheon yet, but I'm sure knowing Brad McQuaid, it's it's. <laughs> I believe that they've talked about
2: uh, XP loss and deleveling as part of this. I don't know if that's still the case, but yeah, they've definitely tried to capture that whole audience. That that it's a very very niche concept, I guess, but there's is a, a very strong community that. You can see going from game to game to game, especially during pre-release and leading up to launches, that is very community-focused, very uh, much, very vocal about wanting some of these old school experiences that they have. And I have a strong feeling that a lot of that is uh, nostalgia and looking through the past, uh with rose-colored glasses like being able to or looking at what used to be and romanticizing it to a point where it's so amazing but they forget all of the terrible things that they used to have to deal with back then things like having to spend 30 minutes trying to walk across the world in order to get to a new place or having to wait an hour for the boat to come or dying and losing three days worth of work yeah stuff like that that kind of gets ignored for stuff like, oh, things were challenging. So Pantheon seems to kind of be addressing that need in that they're trying to bring back that sort of challenge and difficulty within a game, uh, but in a a much more modern format. So we get updated graphics, updated UI, updated gameplay, uh, some kind of cool classes. Like I know that uh, Pantheon is trying to do a dual targeting system, kind of like Vanguard did, uh, so that you could have... I don't know if they're actually going to do this in Pantheon, but I know Vanguard had a really cool class called the Blood Mage, where you could have one offensive target and one defensive target, and you would actually be able to steal life from your offensive target and heal uh, your defensive target. So having gameplay mechanics like that were kind of cool. Uh, And I I think they're trying to bring back that
1: while trying to remove a lot of the downsides that players don't remember. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, I, I, I'll be. It'll be interesting to try. Like, but right now, to ge- to even get into pre alpha testing, to the buy in for that is a thousand dollars
2: currently. To be fair, like this is pre alpha testing. Judging by their plan, they're still a few, few, few years out. Sorry, uh, from actually launching this game, they're going through a pre alpha. There will be an alpha. There will be a closed beta. There'll be an open beta, likely. And then there'll be, of course, the live production version.
0: I would see. So, like, I, I would think anyone this who's point, alpha right and is, beta, or at least closed beta, would probably be hitting by end of year.
2: Uh, it's possible. I don't know. I haven't actually paid attention to their timeline so much, um, but like, especially with pre-alpha, like this is very much not. Let's go try out the game, which a lot of people tend to use alphas and betas for. This is for actual testing so if you are interested in doing that it it isn't just you get to go and play this game it's you're probably doing work here the game is not going to work how you want it to it's going to be clunky there's going to be tons of bugs it's going to look terrible compared to what the final version will be
0: like they don't have art assets and you're just finding a gray block and you're like die block well there's usually art assets but they're usually like
2: generic or they might not be animated fully so like you might have like store bought trees or something, as opposed to trees that are specifically sculpted for your environment, for your area, kind of thing.
0: Paper cut, cardboard cut on some trees just lining the woods. You're like, wait a minute. All right, well, <clears throat> let's move on to something that's a little, a little more out of the ordinary. Chronicles of Illyria, still under development. Uh, there's no character levels, but there is a skill tree. But What's what's the big thing with Chronicles of Lyria, Shin? Like,
1: the big draw for somebody coming in or looking for an MMO in the future landscape. I know what it is. I I know you know what it is because you're excited about it. I'm, I'm trying
2: to tweet out stuff as we go as well, too. But... Uh... Yeah, I was kind of debating if I should put this one this early. I figured leaving with Pantheon and Chronicles of Valyria were kind of a little bit more information here because this is one that I've been kind of following. And full disclosure, I have backed a couple of the things we're talking about today. Uh, So Chronicles of Valyria, their kind of draw, I guess, is is the player life cycle. They don't have uh, a... Character per se. Like there's there's no levels, there's no uh class, you're you're not really like it's not like your traditional MMO. You don't go in with a character that you're gonna have forever and you don't have a class or something that you're going to do all the time. It what they're going to do actually is have uh your character ages and dies. That's that's kind of the big thing that happens. And your uh, playtime, I believe is linked to the life of this character. So you can actually, if you purchase your, your spark of life, uh, it's for one character's length. Every time that you, uh, die, I'm using air quotes in this specifically, because there are three different types of death in this game. Uh, two of them, when you die, uh, you can come back, but it will reduce your overall lifespan. But the third death is actually a full permanent death. You can just die and not come back. Uh, but, Uh, In this case, whenever you, like, your whole life is, you're basically your subscription. So you pay for uh, your lifetime, which is one spark of life. When your character dies, then you need another one. I can't remember exactly how long uh, this is, but I believe uh, it's about 52 weeks is the theoretical maximum that you can have a character. So you'd be able to have a character for at most one year uh, in time. But this doesn't mean that you can't uh, continue building on your character. Like, your character uh can pass on their legacy uh to children or to other uh characters so for example uh you can get married in the game you can have children in the game uh, or you can choose to spawn as like a a ward of the state so you don't like really have parents you get a little bit more customization options but you're not part of like this family or this whole group Uh, and where this kind of uh, yeah one of those things would be like you could have a kid in the game and that kid will become uh, your could become your next player character and would inherit traits from your previous one. Uh, So that's kind of the interesting thing with this uh, is that whole life cycle system. And I'm not explaining it the best, uh, but it is really, really interesting. And and it kind of plays into with how they're doing this political system where they're actually going to have the whole world be something that the players can create. So I'm, thinking that this game is gonna be a very, very uh, role-playing based game. A lot of it's gonna be player driven. A lot of it's gonna depend on the community. So it's gonna to have to have that strong community aspect kind of like Pantheon does, but in a different way in that you, the community has to work together to kind of achieve these things. Uh, They'd they have mentioned that this game is primarily PVE. You can kill people. It is like a PVP you can actually do that sort of thing, kill people, work against people, but it's illegal. There are laws in the world. You will have consequences. Uh, But going back to this political system, uh, even with the the tiers right now that you can purchase for everything, they have um, basically plots of land that you can have. So you can be the king of an entire region. You can be uh, a duchess, a duke, uh, a lord, a lady, whatever. You can have multiple levels of the spectrum and you can have your serfs. They will pay your taxes or they will pay taxes to you. You have to then you can use that money to just hoard it or you can use it to reinvest or whatever but basically you have this whole caste system of uh, different levels and hierarchies and kingdoms that you can either like you can basically do whatever you want with.
1: Now, so
2: it, it's kind of interesting in that you have these different things and they can kind of play with each other they can play against each other you can go to war you can try to take out the king you can like do whatever you want there and But that's kind of how it comes back. So, like, if you're the king, for example, you have a kid, you can pass on your legacy and continue being the king as you go on. Or you can abdicate, or you can pass it on to someone else as, like, your heir. Uh,
0: But that whole thing plays into the entire, like, basis of this
1: game. I'm going to make a character named Henry become king. I'll let you you figure out how that plays out. There are many ways that that one can go.
0: (laughs) Uh, so, but the one of the cool parts of this game, not, it's not only that reoccurring life cycle, but also your character is ingrained in the world. It's, you don't just log out and your character disappears, you become, your character becomes an offline player character. Your character still does stuff in the world. It'll, it'll make progress, you'll set it to do things while you're gone, and when you come back, it will have done that stuff, and it will have interacted with other NPCs and other players. And you'll and it's, it's the, the world does, it's not like in Final Fantasy or other MMOs where you log out, the world still kind of goes on, but you're not there. You log out, your character's still in there, and the world does continue to go on, but when you come back, things have happened. <laughs> right. It, it kind of makes
2: it really interesting in that you can continue playing when you're not there. And of course, that's probably going to be limited to certain actions. You're not going to be able to go and say, raid all of the other nearby towns when you're offline uh but stuff like crafting and and building things or stuff that that sort of thing could happen or trading even Uh, a lot of mmos uh, historically have had like uh, trading systems where you have to stay logged in you
0: set up a little shop and people can come and visit you so it's kind of an extension of that i guess i don't have a phone line anymore i just have that one line where my online character stays in town for trade.
1: Uh so dating dating ourselves, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I sold my leather belt. Yes.
2: Good reasons why I had so many hours played. Like I had almost like 300 days played on one of my characters.
0: In EQ. In EQ too.
2: Because it it was old enough that it was back when you had to sail on all the time. That was, like, one of 20-some-odd characters,
0: so... It was real real back then.
2: Now, what do you think of this whole, like, no character levels, no classes, but having a skill tree and having roles? Like,
0: how do you think that system's going to kind of work? It's going to... It's definitely going to increase the... So... In MMA, right right so like now like when I level up a character like it's it's a grind right like I, my my concern isn't the how how important this level is to me it's how important it is to get to the final level so I can start doing the stuff that the end game is there are no levels here so everything technically is available to me to start doing and working on and leveling or not leveling but to to gain skill and 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 they all have some sort of purpose. The The question here is, is uh, will it push me into doing something that I don't normally do in other MMOs? Will it push me into, like, actually kind of RPing, like, being the king, being a serf, being this?
2: Considering you can't be some, like, evil, shadowy knight person that goes around and has, like, this dark aura going off of them, mm-hmm. you probably will be something new.
1: Okay. Although I do see that there are uh, deviant skills. Oh, sweet. (laughs) Can't wait. I'm actually kind of looking forward to the bardic skill tree. I kind of want to see the entertainer thing. Or where you just like hang out in taverns and play music? Yeah. Alright. But, you know, I'm down. Survival bardic like
2: I, I could get behind something like this where I could just kind of, like, go into the forest and live off the land kind of thing. Seems like it would be kind of fun to, to do that sort of
0: character. I just want to wanna be that weird guy that lives in the woods and just like, ha-ha! <laughs> like, 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 You're going to be the, the,
2: the old little hermit, dude. Yeah, just be like... It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. <laughs> we need to do that now. We need to find a cave... You need to level up blacksmithing and just be this really old dude in a cave who gives out swords to new adventurers and says it's dangerous to go alone. Just
0: take this. We are doing this when this game launches.
2: <laughs> Character name is Old Man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what did you do for the first four hours of Chronicles of Lyria? Leveled up blacksmith and became the old man and just handed out
1: swords to new adventurers. It's dangerous to go alone, no, Take this. I as hilarious as that would be though. I
2: I think like this game would be really interesting in that sense. Like I remember way way back when your reputation on a server mattered. Like you suddenly got blacklisted for being an idiot, and you were not welcome to do anything on that server. Everyone knew who you were, and no one would group with you anymore or play with you, which severely limited it, and your only cho- choices were really start a new character or move off with the server. So things like this, like where you do have an identity, you do have uh, a server community to kind of work with, it's going to be interesting to see like, if you, people get reputations and you start figuring out who people are and, and what they're doing and you know kind of who to avoid or, or who, to, who will kind of help. You kind of get that community back where you'd be like, oh yeah, like, so-and-so can go and make these swords for you or like, hey, this person really needs some uh, bear meat.
1: Oh, fucking
0: Someone's looking for some rat pelts. What kind of rat pelts? Fuck me, if there, if if, if I start Chronicles of Lairs, a goddamn bear quest, and it's like, here's- I know it won't be. I know there won't be that quest where it's like, here's this well, melon baller. It, it go might. Oh, I don't want like
2: to- well, But it makes sense. Like One of the things that they did post on it is that their quests are going to be what NPCs actually need. So the NPCs are going to have some sort of hierarchy of needs. Where it'll be like, hey, we need food, we need shelter, we need materials to to do whatever they're doing. A butcher will need meat, a blacksmith will need metal,
1: or whatever.
0: To, to me, to me, that makes sense. It's not like random right. like like NPC Jeff is like, here's this melon baller, go pluck out fucking berries.
2: No, I, I'm pretty sure we're not gonna have to do that unless it's a new delicacy, in which case I really feel sorry for crafters.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And they do have a set of roles. Like, we we don't have
1: classes. Oh. Oh, no. (laughs) Brown eye pie! Oh, where did we go wrong? (laughs) It turned turned so quick. Could I name the episode brown eye pie? No. No. (laughs) No. But like, so,
2: and going back to this, we also said there's no classes with here, but they have these roles, um, which I don't really know how they're going to work. Like the skills we know, uh, there's six different types of skills that you can get. uh, And each of them have a number of skills within them, or like six different categories of skill, I should say. and And all of them are open from the beginning. You can start leveling whatever you want. Uh, But you also have these different roles. So there's four main roles that they have in here. A champion who's effectively kind of like your adventurer. They're going to go and make the places safer. Uh, You have explorers who I'm pretty sure that's self-explanatory. If you don't know what an explorer is, you should probably go check out the dictionary. Uh, You have producers who are kind of like your crafters. They're going to be the ones who will give you your swords, your armor, your uh, gear and all of this. And then you're going to have your suppliers who are going to be kind of like your, your gatherers, your merchants, uh, people who will get supplies and will be, they'll be trading for things. They'll be kind of uh, building up the economy, kind of. They're the ones that are going to kind of facilitate a lot of that. Yeah. And you can kind of be multiple of these roles, and you can kind of specialize in them as well, but it kind of classifies where your kind of play style is going to be. And I already know where mine's going to be out of these four,
0: because the ta- uh, I really in
2: like exploring.
0: I was going to say in the tavern.
2: <laughs> yeah, between uh, I'm mean, gonna probably be like somewhere with the champion and explorer. I'm not so much into the crafting or gathering, but I
1: might do a little bit. But most of the time, it's probably gonna be going out to the world and seeing what's there, and then reporting back. that happens.
0: Uh, so I I will say this: it's it's an inter- It's gonna be an interesting concept, and it all co- like because it needs to be cohesive, right? It's not like anything before. Like it need, really does need to be a cohesive like. Like farmers will help, you know, supply feed to cattle, cattle supply meat for the butcher. Like it's gonna be a cohesive world and and servers and it's gonna be an interesting
1: game when it comes out. Speaking of interesting. Ashes of creation. Uh,
0: I just I, I did talk to uh, our one of my former co-hosts, uh, Lucy she is at pax uh i messaged her uh, and talked to her a little bit about ashes of creation she stood in line for a long time to play the the what they had there to test um and what ashes of creation is doing is that they're using what's i did a whole you know shouldn't i met through uh everquest next and and You know, him him doing background work for EQ Nexus and and, but Ashes of Creation is kind of going along that path of a pillar system, kind of taking some of the ideas from EverQuest Next or maybe they already had them in place when this was going on uh, and and kind of using that to build their game. One of the things they're doing is called the node system. Where if you're questing, if a lot of you uh, people on the server are questing in one area, the node builds up. So it may start off as a camp. As you're doing more quests, more quests will open. The camp will become uh, a small village, and the village will grow into a town. The town will grow into a city, and so on and so forth. And the questing, it might open new dungeons. That all changes. And that can change based on server to server. Some servers may not be in that one node. They may be on the west coast of, of the continent growing that node and that'll be a totally different set of quests totally different set of dungeons And that's how they're kind of building their world that they want their servers to be unique to each Player character you can make a character on one server. It'd be totally different from the server and how that's going From where it is There it, it, uh, see at Thomas and check uh, the, the garrison quest line I don't want to say yes um, because it, it it's not the garrison quest line from wow because it'll you can actually see change like I understand like he's what he's saying like change happens at the garrison quest line but it, it, if if every server is unique that you're never going to have the same it might not have two of the same server you can log on to like server a and everybody went up north and the server b everybody went south and it's totally different totally different. Dungeons, quests, dragons, monsters appear, not appear. You might have ice giants up the north. You might have dragons in the south, and that's how the world will change and grow around you. Um, the questing is based on player choices. On top of that, too, like if if where choice actually matters in this game, where other games is like, well, I'm going to hand in these bear pelts. <laughs> Everybody's going to hand in the bear pelts. Uh, where you can choose not to do help it. a quilt though. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Where like also never quest next, where it was this thing where it's like choice mattered. It's they're also doing the same thing. Choice matters. Your choice will influence the, the gaming world. Uh, you can choose to help the city or not go to a different node and say, no, I'm going to start to grow this township and you can affect the other township because you're taking resources from them and changing the world effectively. Um, and on top of it, Players need to work together because now not only you're going to have, you know, crafters needing to help uh, build up these towns and these nodes. You need adventurers to go out and call the monsters. You're also going to have PVP. There's going to be potential that other factions or other people are going to grow up other nodes and want to see yours and take your land <laughs> and take your take your goods. So to do that, players have to work together because there's caravans. You can set up trade routes Uh, You can do, like I said, the sieges, and there's, like, big time crafting. Like, if you really want to, you know, to build up your township, your nodes, you're going to want to protect your crafters. Um, It's going to be one of those games where, yet again, that the focus is putting the focus back into that that multiplayer part of the MMO. Um, And so far, the first three games on this list have been that like really focusing on the multiplayer part of MMO. It's not massively and not, not the mass maybe not so much the massively part. Cause we don't know how big in, in terms of player base will these be, but I would say anything over what a thousand players is pretty massive. Yeah. It's,
2: for certain areas, especially if they're concentrated in areas, it's a pretty good number.
0: Yeah. Um, it's so, a little bit more iffy once
2: you start spreading out or growing
0: your world. Yeah, and and thinning out the player base, but you know, if you're having this note system where people are being focused in areas, it's a different story. So it is, it is. Uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, especially with all three of these two, like they are very, very group
2: oriented and kind of almost similar in how they're approaching this, in that uh, they all kind of want to have this whole player economy that they need to build. So you're gonna have crafters who are going to be able to build things for you, whether it's uh, helping you build these cities, helping you uh, build fortifications, helping you build weapons, armor, uh, whatever. They're gonna be helping uh, grow the entire world, uh, as well as outfitting players with things to do so that the other people can go out and explore the world, who can go and defend the world, who can attack in the world. Uh, and they can kind of provide for that and then we also have the on the other side you have people who are harvesting gathering who are trying to get the materials so that the crafters can continue going and you have the inventors going out and getting materials for uh, the crafters to keep doing it so you get this whole player economy where everyone has to help each other in order to continue uh, working with it which i think is a really good idea uh, especially if you want to build a kind of a community around your game it does limit your game in that for forcing that sort of interaction kind of sometimes works and sometimes doesn't there are issues with uh, players who would rather be self sufficient uh, so like, there are pros and cons with this sort of system but it the, does help i think overall
0: i was going to say in in the in the long term right would you rather have a system that is in infor- reinforcing player connection or or reinforcing uh the solo uh ability of current mmo uh let's be, i mean let, i mean let's i mean if we're throwing if we're gonna throw i don't want to throw shade but if we're gonna throw shade i mean like do we really need i mean other than the other players in the groups do we really need to have any like you and i've mentioned it before in the show like Multiplayer in the MMOs is just a fancy word to say. Here's some grouping content. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, my personal opinion is quite biased, as
2: I'm very much in favor of this sort of grouping behavior and enforced grouping, uh, which is why I'm kind of looking forward to things like Pantheon and Ashes of Creation and um, Chronicles nah, of Valyria. Now kiss. <laughs> it. But like on the other hand, I do see the allure of not always wanting to go and interact with people when you're logging into a game sometimes you just want some time with yourself and this like i think these games will allow it it's just going to make it a lot more difficult yeah because like you can go out and do all the things it's just going to take forever if you have to craft all of your own stuff and go out and harvest all the stuff so you can craft the stuff so you can go out and do the stuff and just basically do the whole
1: cycle yourself That's not to say I think
0: one day you can be like, I'm going to go chop down logs. Just that's my day. Chop down logs. And the next day I'm like, I'm going to go in town and, and work the logs. And then that, and you could probably be sufficient in that if you want to go that route.
2: Right. It's just a lot longer of a cycle. You can't yeah. just be like, I'm going to go and I'm going to be a crafter. I'm going to be really, really good at this. You kind of go from that whole, like, I'm going to specialize and focus being the best that I can in this to I'm going to do all of it. but. I have to be okay with not being the best because I'm not putting all of my time into that one
0: thing. That one thing, yeah. I will, I will say this. Uh I mean I I at least with the the uh, at least with uh Pantheon and and Ashes of Creation. Those are two very high fantasy worlds where I th- believe Chronicles of Leary is very um it's still a fantasy world just more not as high fantasy like like it's not going to be it's definitely not a high fantasy environment like there is magic
2: in the game as far as i know if i remember but like but it's it's very, not very rare- rare. yeah it's yeah. not it's you not have like... to find a way to awaken it or it has to be something innate but it is an extremely rare ability it's not going to be like there's magic everywhere
0: yeah no it's not like i <laughs> like i'd be raising a staff over here and be like i am a powerful wizard <laughs> I mean, get you get could in touch do with that. wizard. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> that's how it's gonna unlock. You find me in the cave, and you gotta get in touch. I'll be the wizard in the cave. Just
1: has gotta get in touch with me, and be like, here you go. It's magic. It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. <laughs> oh, that's so terrible. Just like,
0: still me in caves. I don't know why I'm just an old guy in a cave, but here I am uh but i will say i know pantheon's gonna have uh dungeons and and raiding and the same for ashes of creation that is still going to have dungeons and raiding and and, and the pvp like it's still gonna have those things uh i think with ashes of creation um like we said earlier with the pantheon is very group focused even in, in the outside questing world Uh, Ashes of Creations, I believe, is going to be the same thing, where you're still going to have dungeons, but the interesting fact that dungeons may change and grow and not be there if you didn't work on one node and then versus another. So Uh, we kind
2: of just to see how they do that, especially with the dynamic aspect of it. Like, are there going to be things that people will miss out on, or that things will that they'll build that we'll never see, or like how is that all going to play into it? So it's kind of be neat to see how that unfolds yeah
0: and 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 stick to their guns on it like that's that's gonna be my favorite part to actually be like hey server a never got to see this dungeon but server b did because they they played with this node but server b never saw this content because and like to me as a creator that'd be so interesting like this almost like open-end storybook where it's like we we even though it's like some people only got to see part of your content but it's really interesting to see how people are affecting the world just to see what they can change and what they can manipulate. And maybe it's people going out and finding like there's a dungeon there and then trying to go and siege that node and hold it and <laughs> causing these massive land wars. But like, you don't know there's a dungeon there. That would be kind of awesome to see if we could actually have that happen. Right? <laughs> All right, let's move on to Crowfall. The uh an interesting take on yet again, uh focusing on multiplayer uh this one a little different. Uh I would say probably a mix somewhere between uh the first three games we talked about, but not in, in an entirely different way. The way Crowfall works is that there's a the main world that you're in and that's where you're going to build your town, your 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 castle uh and and have your crafters and such and so forth and and your world and that's where you're going to build up. Where the gameplay takes place is in these... I don't want to say game worlds, but only like these game worlds. Where these questing worlds will open up, and the rules will be like almost like a board game. Everyone will be different, will have different time frames. But that's where you're going to get your resources to bring back out with you. Um, So you may go into one and say, hey listen, I want to be on this campaign that's only three months long. um, And I'll be in that content for three months... And, and there will be a different thing. Like it's going to be three months. Uh, there's no winter. It's constantly summer. But it's going to be um, two massive siege battles. And there's going to be PvP involved between the two zones. Where one, uh, it could be a six-month-long campaign, but there's no PvP. It's PvP, PvE only, but you're reversing uh, the harshness of winter encroaching and the lack of resources. So you're going to have to use some of the resources you're gathering to keep yourself sustained for the six months. But while you're still trying to gather. And that's really crowfall. What they're trying to add is this the game will always throw you different little the questing's never gonna be the same. It's always gonna be these different game worlds where you go into to take stuff out to build up the overworld. Um it's gonna have destructible environments. The the if you hit the wall, it'll the wall will crumble. The, they're planning siege weapons and PvP. Um, I think their big sell here is their destructible environments, and of course, like that, that ever-changing game world. It's very rare nowadays to see an MMO change on the fly, unless there's a big game-breaking bug. Um, so to me, that's kind of a neat concept. It's uh, I say, hey, listen, I, I I don't know if I want to do that six-month campaign. That three-month campaign with PvP sounds more of my type, I'm going to go do that for three months and see if that's more up my alley. Or they may have, like, a one-week campaign where you're only in there for one <laughs> one week and, and you can hop right back out. Um, so it's going to be a totally different concept on how a multiplayer game is played because it's the rules will always change, the concepts will always change, the people you see, the you, you might not be with the same people uh and you can see that right now that i mean people are streaming crowfall when alphas are live and you can see that combat and you can see their character types and uh i believe characters are unique to each race and class like there's centaurs and 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 all sorts of unique character classes and races and all sorts of things so crowfall is really taking like the high fantasy and and really going about it in a neat way and the pvp looks really good other than that, um, it's not, like, yet again, it's not your typical MMO. It's not going to be, like, quest hubs and dungeons. It's these game worlds you go into. There may be a dungeon in that game world that you have to go get resources out of, but it is very PvP and PvE-focused, but in a, a different way. So, uh, it's a cool I'm concept. I'm
2: kind of curious to see how they pull this off. Um, I think it's going to be really cool as kind of a test bed for different things. And I'm kind of actually surprised that other companies haven't really done this yet, um, because I think it's a really cool idea in that you can test a whole bunch of different gameplay mechanics and different worlds uh, and different themes and different ideas and see kind of what players like. Uh, Especially, I know we had uh, EQ Next and Landmark and Landmark was kind of a a pre, a, a testing bed for a lot of stuff that they wanted to do in EQ Next. Uh, whether it was with the building and, and being able to create uh, land or text, test out the technology, test out the gameplay. And while neither game ended up actually fulfilling any of the roles that they intended to, uh, and vote, both eventually were died, uh, Crowfall kind of seems similar in that it's, it's a really good way that they can test a lot of these things. And if something proves to be really, really popular, they could almost make an entire game based on that, or they could have it as a more prominent part of their game. We've talked many times on this podcast about how 14 does really, really well with trying new things. But even though that they try a lot of new things like Vermilion and Palace of the Dead and Eureka, they don't really have the speed or the tools, I think, to constantly pump out this content. We might get a little bit every six months to a year, let's say, uh, with some new content that's completely new to, to most MMOs. Uh, so having a project do this from the beginning, where they're just like, "Hey guys, we're going in. We're gonna try a whole bunch of stuff, and we're just gonna basically keep throwing stuff at the wall and go," is really, really interesting. Just hopefully we'll see a lot of, of good things come from it and allow them to come through and uh, build up a really, really cool game based on what players are having a lot of fun with. Plus, uh, have that freedom to constantly create content really, really, really fast.
0: Yeah. And I and I and I will say this, uh, especially in, like in terms of fourteen, like fourteen in in terms of how they sometimes because we don't have like a a beta server or a like here beta test this for us like they don't do beta sessions and and the way they kind of test things in house and then they they push it onto us. Um, I don't know if you know if you keep your eyes open, you seem you see how they test things and other what they'll do is they'll combine other things and test in other formats. Like diadem was clearly a big test for. How we were eventually going to come to Eureka, and and clearly they pulled stuff out of Palace of the Dead and added it to into into the world of uh, Eureka. Uh, it'd be the same concept. Like they also test things during holiday events. Like for example, the the dun, like the the maze system with the two like that's a cool like in during the uh, um, Valentine Day event like. That's a cool system. It was it was a cool new like hey you know stay together. It was mixing some stuff we saw in raids and and adding this, this extra like beam between us and stuff like that. So, I would suspect that they also use holidays to test stuff on us, <laughs> to, to see how it'll work for future content. Um, but yet again, the speed at what they pumped that out is is isn't as fast as it could be with something like Crowfall. Something this game I I think I've tested now on and off for the last few years. Project Gorgon uh, or Gorgon. Uh, This game is made by a husband and wife team. That's it. There's no. There's not a lot of people on the team. It is literally the husband and wife. They are both uh, MMO veterans. They both worked on various games, including EverQuest uh, One, Star Wars. uh, uh, Galaxies. Uh, Star, yeah, Star Wars Galaxies, uh, Guild Wars 1, like all sorts, of, like a lot of the landscape of MMOs. Project Gorgon it literally is a an old school MMO just built now. It's got old school graphics. It's it's got an in game like notepad that you can write down notes because you're if you read a block, it may give you a, a clue to a, an epic quest that you don't know or a spell you may learn and you eat, like everything is a leveling up like you swing your sword you level up and you'll see a bar and you'll unlock new abilities for sword use equip a shield i
2: have pad of paper with me
0: yeah you never know when you are <laughs> start quest uh and this game was free and i remember when i was doing uh, evercast i was talking about project gorgon and uh, I had my co-host play, and they're like, this is old as hell. I was like, no, it's new. It's brand new. And it, and it was. It still is. Uh, it's currently on... It, it was the MMO that almost wasn't, and and kind of, like, people came up and rallied behind it and, and helped. And this thing is now on Steam Early Access. You can go drop money and go get this. And it offers all sorts of things. Uh, puzzles, random traps, and bosses that will curse you. Literally curse you. I remember... I had one of my old former co-hosts playing with me, and he and the starting dungeon of all places. Like you start off in one of the dungeons, and one of the starting things on the screen, it flashes red. It says, "Do not go further." If you fight this by yourself, you probably won't win, and it could probably put a curse on you that it can't be uncured. And he went and fought it anyway, and it was a cow. And he's like, "How hard could a cow be to kill?"
2: There is no cow
0: level. Well he was cursed and turned into a cow. <laughs> I mean, I don't see any negative here. And and you level. And then the best part was there was no cure for the cow. Like, you were a cow and you wore cow armor. There was a specific armor for cows. And cows had specific attacks. And you could milk the cow. And if you milked the cow, you got a glass
1: of milk and that gave you a buff for leveling. <laughs> What I'm saying is, is that Ultra project support class. Yeah, right. It was essentially what what it was.
0: It was a support class, and it was so interesting because Project Gorgons offering things like lycanthropy, where you'll be a human for most, and it's got moon phases, and there will be a part of the part of the month where you're just a, now I'm a werewolf and I'm gonna do werewolf things, and you can't control that. That and and there's maybe a cure for that. There may not be a cure for that. Yeah, workout. Or or no, the cow. Listen, cow was permanent. There was no changing from cow. If you were sure, the cow. That would be much better. Yeah, if you know. Uh, that would sudden be,
1: cow. Sudden cow. All of a sudden, moo. <laughs> it's utter chaos. <laughs> uh,
0: Just, I'm sorry about that joke. That's bad. <laughs> that was terrible It was bad i'm apologize by that joke Even but, by it, our standards. but the starting island so they redid the starting dungeon now it's a starting island and that island i if i remember correctly has like stones and you have to write like a specific order and find like the ones on like the north southeast and i won't ruin it for you but there is an in-game notepad where you can write notes and there's puzzles and codes and it's it's fun to play an mmo where it, You have to use your thought process and ask players and help players with questing because you're like, hey, I've read this quest a couple times, and and you don't hear that anymore. Like very few times. Like uh, Final Fantasy has a couple of those things where it's like, here's a picture, go do this, and you're like, oh yeah, and that gets me excited. I'm like, I'm looking for it. I kind of know where it is. And uh, I don't know. Like Project Gorgon is just. I'm telling you, it's not a pretty game. But I've always been one of those people behind a game doesn't have to look good to be fun, like if the if the mechanics are good helps a lot though. It, it sometimes yeah, but sometimes I think fun, tr- like out out, like outweighs looks like like I, I I listen if you if you gave me Punch Out, I'll still play Punch Out like old school like NES Punch Out for fucking hours like no like I'll, I will now I can go play Wii Punch Out. Still punch
1: out. <laughs> but. I mean, I'm playing EQ1, so. You just, exactly. And that's what it is. It's just
0: Project Organ. It's just. And, and, and it's not bad. I believe if you buy into it now, you get like three months of uh, VIP access. I don't remember if they're going to charge a monthly fee for it or if they're going to be like there's going to be VIP versus non-VIP access. And and, and actually, uh, the, one of the cool things is that talking to NPCs matters. Talk to every NPC. Even if they don't give you a quest, they still can be your friend. And if you befriend them, guess what? Sometimes they teach you spells. Sometimes they teach you a skill. Sometimes they give you discounts. And Sometimes they're murderous animals that just want to kill all humans. Sometimes they will milk your udder if you're overabundant with milk. It just depends. Just depends. But last on our list isn't a new MMO. Uh, it's just an expansion for one. Uh, one that's been around for an ungodly amount of years, but not EverQuest. Oh, like fourteen or so. Oh god, it's been that long. Ugh.
1: Not yeah.
0: You know. Hey, EQ one. EQ one's coming up on
1: twenty years next 20-er. year. Twenty years. I'll think about that first
0: uh World of Warcraft Battle for Azeroth uh is it doing anything new in terms of its questing eh, I mean I hear the questing's fine it's got two massive continents that one specific to the Horde one specific to the Alliance and that's cool If you're a big like lore nerd for that game like I was or still kind of am like I'm like I know those islands and I can't wait to you know uh but the, they're doing two really cool interesting things one is the island expeditions uh, you set out on island expeditions to conquer an ever-changing array of enemies, environments, and objectives. You battle in groups of three as you race against cunning uh, rival intruders or enemy players. So, it's this thing where it's like you could be thrown onto a, an island, and all of a sudden it's PvP, and you have to fight for the resources on the island to help bolster your crew and your gear, and or it's it's PVE content, and it's just kind of like a three-player. Then you know to be three-player versus three-player. And, and they're just charting these uncharted islands out in the middle of the sea. And I think that's kind of a cool concept for an MMO. And it's, it's kind of a neat content, like kind of a new focal like focus for them. Uh, the other thing was the warfronts, where it's these battlefields on a large-scale 20-player cooperative warfront to claim key strategic locations on the new islands. And uh, you capture resources, you build your faction's forces, and lead the charge as your troops lay siege to objectives and fight the enemy commander to claim victory in a new PvE mode inspired by the classic RTS battles. This, to me, is so fucking cool (laughs) because I'm such a huge nerd for the Warcraft RTS, and it's cool that they're kind of going back and saying, like, we can kind of do this in the MMO and give players, 20 players cooperatively, to work together to create essentially, like, you know... You know, peons and and little warriors and stuff to go out and help capture and lay victory to, you know, you know strategic points on maps. And I think that's a cool way to kind of handle, you know, it's PVE, but to me it's almost like a PvP mode. If they if they could do this with players and on a massive scale, that'd be great. That'd be kind of cool. So I, I I'm excited just to to kind of see these war fronts stuff. I know they're also gonna add. I didn't add it on the notes, but I know they're gonna also add pet dungeons because they do like pet battles, which is kind of like Pokemon. So I'm gonna have whole dungeons dedicated to pet battles. <laughs> Still better than Vermilion, I think. They listen. If they would have said, "Hey, we're adding pet battles to Final Fantasy Fourteen and not Vermilion," I would have been way more. About it. Tell me. I don't know, if they decided to be like, "Hey, you could take your pets and then go into doing dungeons with your pets," that'd be kind of fun. You mean like our chocobos? Like we were supposed to do their chocobos?
2: No, no, I mean like taking like your minions and going running to minion dungeons.
0: I would do that, it would be kind of cool. I'd, you know, doing Wow now, but obviously, Wow did it first, so now Final Fantasy can't do it because Final Fantasy ten Well, that's not true. Sometimes Final Fantasy kind of looks at Wow and takes things. Yeah, Battle for the Horde,
1: yeah, or Revenge of the Horde, sorry, Revenge, Revenge. Revenge. Yeah, the Horde. They're no very, very angry world to PUBG, what it is i didn't want to start some beef gonna milk these
0: funds. I didn't want. yeah that's gonna be
1: yeah we, yeah there's a bunch of cow puns so and
0: that's it that's the current like and like, like we said this this isn't the this was the short list the <laughs> list was a lot longer than this we we kind of cut it down uh there's a couple of mmos we didn't mention there was uh, the, uh got air and i can't remember the actual name it was like Arsenal, Ascent Infinite Realms. Uh, Yeah, Ascent Infinite Realms, where it is a high fantasy Korean MMO mixed with steampunk. So there's steampunk. Airship battles. And there's airship fucking battles. (laughs) Like, legit, like... Aerial fighting. Yeah, legit aerial fighting. Like, on steam, flying machines, and dragons, and and you fight dragons in the sky with, uh, like... Cool concept, and 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 it's gonna be buy to play when it launches here in the states because a lot of Korean companies are like make it better. So uh, uh, those are just some you know some of the stuff that's coming this way. Uh, But yet again, it's you know I'm I'm happy to see that there is a focus in pushing players into doing content with each other. it seems that's going to be the land like it's almost you know how they always say like things come back around again like 80s fashions back and all of a sudden people were in our shoulder pads and shit and, and hammer pants and whatever. But like uh, <laughs> it's almost the same with MMOs right like we we had this long stint of make it solo friendly make it solo friendly but now it looks like things are coming back around to let's make it play you know let's make it group focused again.
2: And- I think part of this was more like, it wasn't so much that people were uh, focused on a lot of solo it to not doing group stuff. A lot of it was uh, a bunch of games getting stuck on. Uh, we have to be like, wow, we have to do the theme park style stuff. We have yeah. to be, these are the concepts that make an MMO and we have to hit all of these boxes in order for us to be good. And everyone tried to hit the same success as wow, but they realized that, you can't get that same success when the market is older. Sure, EQ1 had a huge market share because uh, it was one of the very few MMOs in the market when it came out. Same with WoW; there was so little on the market and so little polish to that level as well. It had a huge customer base, uh, but then as the years came on, we had more and more games come out, and a lot of them were better, but they didn't have the market share. They didn't have the people and the players kind of splintered into more niche categories. So I think we're kind of now at the point where we understand, yes, all of our games are going to be very niche. We are not going to have massive populations. So let's build something that's going to focus and capture a part of that market. And will kind of be a really, really good game for that market and focus on that rather than try to be the next big massive thing. Which just keeps failing again and again. And Age of Conan and Warhammer and
0: Warhammer and. Wait, hold on. Why did you say that twice? Don't say that twice. I still have that. It, wasn't there two Warhammers? No, there was one. Oh, no, there was two Age of Conans. There was two Age of Conans. That ah, was the one. It was Age of Conan, and then they did like our soft reboot of Age of Conan, and it didn't do so hot the second reboot. Like, it didn't do so hot the first time. It did even worse the second time. Warhammer Online, though, lasted a while. It just, it never had expansions, and then, but the problem was- It did. It. EA, is EA, EA was- But EA pulls plugs on MMOs fairly quickly, though, unless it's Star Wars. Right, but we have a whole history of these. Like, we have Star Wars Galaxies,
2: and The Matrix Online, and DCUO, and uh, what else uh, well, do we have off the DC, last no
0: No, DC Universe Online's still going. Did you see yesterday? What was the Still one that got pulled? Go. Uh, Marvel. Uh, City of Heroes. City of Heroes got pulled, yep.
2: City of Heroes and City of Villains got pulled. Uh, Tabula
0: Rasa. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering, yeah. anybody, anybody show of hands how many oh, people what? play Tabula Rasa show of hands? Just me? <laughs> no,
1: I wasn't there.
0: It wasn't great. <laughs> the reason why it was pulled.
2: We can keep going back because we got like Vanguard and uh, what's that other one?
0: Um, Camelot, Dark Ages Camelot, Dark Ages Camelot. I think that one may still be going. I, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure they were talking about a, like a reboot of that one as well. Uh, a Camelot Unlimited or, Ch- or t- a Camelot Unchained. Unchained, yeah. which is coming out. Yeah, I didn't have it on the list because it just—it's it, not, not that it wasn't doing anything new. It is very, very. Player focused but it is essentially just a PvP MMO. Like it's literally a PvP MMO. That's all you do is massive siege. Like if that is your jam, if PvP is your jam, Ch- Camelot and Chain is going to be your jam. Like go check that out. Um, I, I have a friend, dear friend, and I'll, I'll give him a shout out to Zube, who uh, uh, that's his online person like name, uh, who went to his wife and said, "I love, I love Dark Ages of Camelot. Camelot and Chain is coming out." Honey, can can I do the top tier Kickstarter uh, amount? And she said yes. And I remember that amount was like fifteen hundred dollars. And it, she and listen, like both have great jobs. Like it wasn't like. And he went and asked permission. Oh, I know. I, I know both of them. Yeah, I mean, dude, he asked for like he did the right thing. He said, "Honey, are gonna do?" This. And she said, "I was like, you let him do that. It's fifteen hundred dollars." She said yes. I have
2: other conversations after this, but. <laughs> With him or me?
0: Are you, you well, listen, I don't want to know how much money you dropped on that. Not, not podcasts. So. All right. <laughs> anyway.
2: anyway. So, yeah. So I guess this is to, to kind of start wrapping things up. Um, yeah. This is kind of a, a different type of stuff or type of uh, a podcast for than what we kind of traditionally do um if there's any games specifically you want us to kind of focus on that we mentioned or that we missed and uh let us know uh we can take a little bit of a deeper dive into some of these if you're interested or if you want us to cover something else that's not there um yeah let's know what you thought about this send us an email send us a tweet
0: yeah let us know uh, it's like yet again this was just because the final fantasy news was so light that we didn't want to not give you a show. I mean, trust me, we could have taken the day off and just drank, but decided that we'd drink with you and do this. So, as we take sips, uh, no, honestly, this is water. Yeah. Oh, is that what that is? Shit, that's actually honey. One, um, uh, but uh, it it doesn't mean that we like we aren't a Final Fantasy fourteen podcast. It's just that. Like we said, uh, the the landscape is changing and, you know, should and I have been around long enough to know that uh, it's good to keep your eyes on what the future may hold because you don't know what's going to change. Um, you know, knock on wood, Final Fantasy lasts for years and years to come. But, you know, worst case scenario, there could be another, you know, I'm not going to say there's ever going to be a wow killer, uh, <laughs> but you never know when an MMO may come out and the population may split. And you know, there's always that talk, and Chet and I have always said that, like, when more and more MMOs come out, you're you're gonna find players that may play Final Fantasy now, but tomorrow may be playing uh, Chronicles of Valyria or Ashes of Creation, and your player base in your current game takes a dip, and takes a dip, and then takes a dip, and it's not the same player base and the friends you once knew. Play, and that, I'm not saying it like to be depressing. It's just, you know, I've. Play play MMOs long enough, and you're like, "Where did my friends go?" Then all of a sudden, they're like, "They're they're they're knocking at your door, and they're like, 'Hey, you want that? You try this new drug.' <laughs> try
1: This new drug.
0: I know because that's how Shin started playing
1: Final Fantasy 14. Yeah, yeah. But uh, speaking of new drugs,
0: we could be yours, simply by joining RFC over on Gilgamesh, Domina de Umbra. It's all the fun of drugs without any of the uh, bad side effects.
2: Legal or medical and connotations. I
0: mean, it could be medical.
1: There's a doc- at least one doctor out of five would recommend us. I'm not- Probably bribe s- someone. <laughs> it's probably
0: not like an actual doc. <laughs> Well, listen, it's probably a guy in a cave.
2: <laughs> just it might not be a medical doctor, but we can get a doctor. I'm
0: pretty sure we know people who are doctors. Or who it's, are doctors. it's dangerous to go alone. Join them. <laughs> can we hire an old guy just to say he's a doctor and just to recommend us?
1: Probably we already had you.
0: Oh, is that... All right, fair. Fair. Good enough. Fair. I like it. You could check us out. <laughs> I'm going to recommend a bunch of shit right now, but you could check us out here Fridays at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. Uh, just we start a little later today because work stuff and whatnots, but it's okay, but normally 9. Uh, <clears throat> you can find our recorded stuff on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, if there is a uh, podcasting app or podcasting thing that you're like, hey, I wish you guys were on this because this is my main thing, let us know. We'll throw ourselves on there. We want to be in your ears, and we want to be in all the places. So let us know. Tell us what's up. Tweet us. Email us. And you can email us, you can find all that information at www.maelstromradio.com. That's our uh, website where you can find our shows and blurbs. And if you missed our Choose Your Own Adventure, please go, go read it. It's over there someplace. And, uh, right, it's up there. Up there with all those choices you everybody didn't make. So uh, find out find out what was missed. You can also email us at show at maelstromradio.com. You can find our Discord on our website. I'm not going to read out the Discord. We don't have one of those cool fancy Discords. Unless Discord wants to give us a cool fancy Discord. Or we can be like discord.com forward slash maelstromradio. Although we'll get it. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com. That's at maelstrom underscore radio. Tweet us. Send us tweets. We like tweets. We'll interact with you. Send us photos of yourself, maybe. Send us a selfie. Ch- Chilli, send me a selfie. <laughs> chili you'll do it. Chilli will be the only person that sends us a selfie. To be fair. Maybe Paul. Paul send us a Oh, what? No, no, Paul's not too big about showing himself on the uh, interwebs. It, it might not be himself. True. He'll send us something. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Twitter, listen, Twitter doesn't rules. They kind of just let things go. Uh, you can find us on facebook.com forward slash maelstrom radio. Uh, you know, when Facebook's not stealing your information, come check out, our, check out our page on Facebook. We promise we're not selling your information. I can't speak for them. And, of course, you can find us here on twitch.tv forward slash maelstrom radio. Thank you all for joining us for the 75th episode. A little different, a little out of our, our our spectrum of what we normally talk for the last 74 episodes. I promise you... Next week, more than likely we'll be back on Final Fantasy fourteen, back in our old back on our bullshit, as they like to say on the internets. And that's okay. Shin, uh you wanna go ahead and uh, say goodbye to everybody? We got nothing more to add tonight. All right, sounds good to me, so, sir. For for the fourteen till sea swallows
2: all. all right. <laughs> we'll throw a little bit of that. We gotta throw back a little bit.
0: Yeah, back. Uh, and Shin's probably gonna log in. By the way, if you are live here with us and you are an Umbra, please go log in right now. And if you're level 70, come join us for Oozing maps. We're gonna go, gonna go. I'm trying to get me a fucking golden whisker. That's gonna happen. I want me a little derpy fish man. <clears throat> so, uh, let's
1: meet Shin. Derpy fish man got you. Uh, you want derpy fish man. I. <laughs> You're lucky I don't name the old guy in the cave Derby Fishman. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's his little apprentice. Yeah. Uh,
0: fucking, I just wanted to let you know, fucking Ashes of Creation just liked her tweet. <laughs> <clears throat> just My saying.
1: My Twittering is helping.
0: <laughs> Next week, sponsored by Ashes of Creation... No, not, well, maybe, I don't know. If you want to give us money, please, please contact us at show at maelstromradio.com.
1: Anyway, muting shin. We will, we will never get money that way. Not at all.
0: I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. Yeah. Listen, if a beer company wants to sponsor us, hell yes. Find us, please. We will take beer. Anyway, thank you all for joining us for the 75th episode of Maelstrom Radio. We are 25 episodes, that's two five away from 100. We have no idea what the hell we have planned for that show, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be a long one, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be super duper crazy, just like episode 50 was. It's, remember, this is year two of Maelstrom Radio. We've only gotten we've only gotten crazier. <laughs> so, with that being said. I know Shin thanks you all. Thank you for listening to us blabber on about other things. But next week, as always, till C-Swall is all, keep listening. Maelstrom Radio is a production of maelstromradio.com and Blackfire Media Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. Opening theme provided by Benjamin Anthony James. You can find more of their music over at soundcloud.com forward slash ben773. Our outro is provided by Soto. You can find more of their music over at SoundCloud.com forward slash Sodo. Views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of males from radio and their hosts, and do not reflect the views and opinions of Square Enix. And until C swallows all, keep listening.